Welcome to Southern Fried Fantasy, a podcast for readers and writers, where Southern authors talk about books set in the region they call home. Book lovers beware, your TBR pile is about to get taller than high cotton. Welcome back to another episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. I'm your host, Bob Magoo of Tells by Bob. And this week, I'm super excited. I have on uh, Jillian Zane, who I had the pleasure of getting to meet in person at this fun little uh, book event in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, had like 85 authors. Uh, at this point, you'll have heard some other interviews I've done with people from there. And uh, yeah, it was just a great time and a lot of great authors of which you were one of them. Yes, I was. So uh, I don't like to waste time. So let's just dive right mm-hmm. in. And uh, why, don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what ties you to the South? To the South. Gotcha. Well, born down here. So that's what <laughs> ties yeah. me to the South. Um, so I have been writing for about 10 years and I grew up down in the South. I was born in Houston, but that's just because my dad decided to go to college there. And, uh, but we're all from New Orleans can trace our history for, I think 300 years back to the founding of New Orleans. So yeah, the, so the family, we don't leave, unfortunately. (laughs) 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 So it's, it's hard to leave New Orleans. Everybody tries to leave. The only one that's made it out is my brother, but yeah. So, so New Orleans, I, I used to little... joke about that with Troy, the place I went to college, because I, I ended up moving back there. And like everyone uh-huh. I knew that I'd been close with, like th- they got to Troy and it was like a tar pit that kept sucking them back in. <laughs> right, right. It's the same. I've moved away a few times and always come back. It's There's no place like it. And we all say that about our hometown because we love it, you know, and yeah. me, it's the food. <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, you, can't I, get a, you can't get a good meal outside of New Orleans, but yeah, yeah according well, to, I okay. can definitely attest to the fact that having been to New Orleans, uh, I don't know, probably at this point a couple dozen times, uh, when uh-huh. you say there's no place like it, it holds a little more truth when uh, someone from yeah. New Orleans says it, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's true. We're uh, definitely unique, we, we, we call ourselves characters, so <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> No, definitely. Uh, I was actually, uh, me and my fiance were, uh, we just happened to, uh, to get to be down there during Halloween, uh, last oh. year. So it was, it was my first time doing Halloween in new Orleans and, but doing bourbon street, the first Halloween after, uh, it was like the day that the mask mandates came down. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and so it was like the mask mandates were down uh bourbon street was kind of back and open for business and everyone was just kind of mm-hmm. losing their minds in that beautiful bourbon street way and it was <laughs> it was it, it was a good time it was a good time yeah yeah halloween is always it's one of the it's i have to say that october is probably the best weather you'll get in new orleans through the it, entire year and it and halloween nice it's yeah it's it's i got married around halloween and just cuz it's it's the it literally is the, it's not hot. There's no, you know, humidity. It's not starting to get cold yet. You know, you might get a little chill, but it's, that's the, 
really the best time to visit the city. If you want that, you don't get a fall experience because the leaves don't turn. Yeah. Um, but you do get <laughs> you the, do get a break on the humidity. Yeah, the, <laughs> so. the Spanish moss hangs just slightly lower. Oh. <laughs> slightly, slightly, it, it yeah. turns a slight tinge of black instead of gray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, you have uh, you have several series um, right. going on. So why don't you take a moment mm-hmm. and tell us about uh, tell us about your books? Give us the rundown. I have a I have a few series. Uh, two series are complete, um, and then I have a, a spinoff for one of the series. My um my zombie series is the most people like that the most. So it tends mm-hmm. to that's my big seller, and um, that one's based in New Orleans, and um, it is. I thought zombie novels needed a romance in them because I love romance. And um, so I wrote this apocalypse romance and added a bunch of zombies to it. Love it. <laughs> so, love but it. it's based, it's, yeah, it's based in New Orleans. So that's why the, the series name is New Orleans Zombies. And it's about a girl who all hell breaks loose around her. And so she has to find people and, and survive. So, yeah. you know, typical, typical survival story. And um, you group up together and you find love and you have to fight off some bikers maybe and some zombies and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, as it happens. And it all happens in New Orleans. And um, I use kind of, I always, you know, being my own city, I I had a zombie uh, invade my school, but I named it another thing. And then I had the bikers take over my grocery store yeah. <laughs> you know kind of fun so it was a, it was a lot of fun to write and people seemed to enjoy it and uh it brought together a lot of um themes from my own life and just added zombies to it yeah. so i gotta say <laughs> one of my favorite activities uh has always been to just sit around and uh, ask folks like what's your zombie what's your zombie uh plan you know right right and we we, the game we the game we play in college was uh you you get to make two stops on the way to where you hole up what's your plan Mm -hmm. and uh just hearing people's uh, answers to that was always a lot of fun so um i have to yeah i have to imagine right getting to write that is a lot of fun It, it was and i and the first uh the first novel is called run so basically she runs i mean i'm it's pretty straightforward and she gets stuck in downtown new orleans and what do you do like what would you do if you got stuck where you work and that's um going through things like katrina um and now with this fun pandemic you know you think about what happens if you're separated from your family your home something that's important to you and you're kind of stuck there so she had to figure out how she was going to get from downtown to her house which had her dog there. It had survival stuff that she could use to protect herself, which she wasn't finding at her work where she's dressed in heels and, you know, a business right. suit and stuff like that. So the point of the the novel was from her getting from her, her place of business to her home. And along the way, she teamed up um, with more main characters and they got those things. But once she got those things, she was like, well, is this really will this help me survive? And so you have to go, it, it's almost like a little process of what, how would you survive something like this when your world is just upside down? And do you have things in place 
to protect you in the long run? Like, do you have food? I I know zombies are coming for you, but what happens when you hole up somewhere? Do you have food you need? Do you have weapons? Do you have different, and not guns, because you can't, you know, like everybody's like, oh, well, I'll have a big machine gun, but well, bullets run out quickly when you're shooting at a bunch of zombies and stuff like that. So it just, it was, it was fun to write. Yeah. And, um, it was a lot of fun to write. And uh, I incorporated a few things like um, that the other main character is a former Marine. So, and my husband's a former Marine. So I picked his brain a lot and was like, yeah. what would you grab? And he's like, oh, you know, Marine. He's like, my gun. And I was like, no, <laughs> let's go find a machete, <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of thing. And um, yeah. yeah, so yeah. And you, just- you also served. Is that correct? I I did. I did in the Air Force. Yeah. So long in, in ancient times. <laughs> so, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. And so uh you you have you have some more. Uh the one that really stood out to uh-huh. me, and we talked about it uh at the uh-huh. at the event was the uh what is it, the the salt uh, the haunted sultan. The haunted sultan, right. And, now- and like so I and I was telling you and I'll just read re-relay it here so uh-huh. uh there there is in the french quarter there is uh, uh a haunted uh place that they call the the sultan's palace and uh mm-hmm. i happened to we went up that we took that trip we did a we did mm-hmm. a ghost tour and they took us by uh this is one of the the stops on on the tour was the mm-hmm. the the sultan's palace uh mm-hmm. not not going in obviously but just like let's stand on a street corner and we'll tell you all about it kind of deal. So when I saw this, I was like, Ooh, that's really, that's really intriguing. Oh, good. Yeah. It's an intriguing story. Um, I mean, if you think of New Orleans, one of the things that pops into your head is haunted. And, you know, most people that you talk to that lives has lived down here and have lived in an older house in New Orleans, which there's a lot of them will give you a haunted story. Um, And uh, so it's always fascinated me because I did live in a haunted house when I was a teen and, um, and it was very obviously haunted. It wasn't like something silly, like we heard footsteps or something like it would push things off the top of the fridge and land on the back of my sister and stuff like it was, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was kind of, for some reason it didn't like my sister. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it was always like we would be sitting at the table and something would happen. It, it was always to her. So I don't know what she was doing, but, yeah. um, so they always, they always fascinated me and, um, and going down there to the French quarter, you see these, the oldest houses in the city and, uh, and this one stands out and I didn't realize that they were putting it on the tour because I just, I, I don't know. I, re- I think I read a story in the paper or something about it. And then me and my friends went and found it and we did the research on it. So it's always been one that fascinated me. And um, the one time I did go on a ghost tour, they brought me to like Anne Rice's house or, you know, like yeah. this is where they filmed. And I didn't even go on a vampire tour, but they, you know, so I was kind of upset that they didn't bring me to this one. And they brought yeah. me to the, um, the uh Lord, what is it madame lalori's house the, yeah, uh, that the, one which is uh, yeah the one that uh that nick cage bought yeah yeah that one and yeah. um so th- this one i thought needed its story and um and i and i always thought like you know make it into fun because i did this one for an anthology right when i first started writing and um 
and it needed to be kind of short and sweet. And I was like, well, how do I do this? And then incorporate, because I had to, they also asked for to kind of incorporate a romantic theme to it, to such a horrific tale, because it's a tale of the Sultan who was basically his entire household was murdered in this time. And they never found out who murdered him. They never, and it killed his guards, it killed his harem, and it killed the Sultan. And he's supposed to haunt this place till that day. And to like recap this story, um, you know, the girl on the ghost tour gets sucked in there and has to figure out who killed him. And it was a fun, it was a fun story because I got to um, pull in like Turkish themes and um, which I had never really researched, but a good friend of mine is Turkish. So I got to pick her brain and it it was just, it was a lot of fun, you know, um, to write. And I got some, you know, it's, it's very, it's violent because it was a violent story. So I got mm-hmm. some mixed reviews on it and people are like, wow, this is so, cause it, you know, it, yes, it has a, has a slight romance in it, but it's mostly a horror story. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so uh, uh, you also have the karma series, the, karma Inc. The- the Karma Incorporated series. Yeah. That was one. That was one of the most fun series that I wrote, um, because that one's based in childhood trauma of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always fun to write those kind of things out. That yeah. one's not really that. That one kind of has an ambiguous setting. Yeah. So it's not really southern or anything like that. As a, well, you know, it, it doesn't have New Orleans themes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are we are you know southern fried fantasy, but we definitely yeah. you know at the at the end of the day, we just want authors to share right. you know what they right. what they love. So well, we definitely want to hear about just it. To, right, just explaining. Um, but I mean, it's I have a southern voice, so you can't shake that. No matter what, I'm still calling them, you oh, know, yeah. tennis shoes and not sneakers. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, this one, uh, I uh, was brought up Catholic and um, from, and I've never stepped foot in a public school or private school. It's always been Catholic school. And um, yeah. And uh, so what I was told a lot was that I was probably going to go to um, purgatory. Um, And and sometimes they told me I was going to hell. It just depended on what I was doing. But um, (laughs) most likely the nuns told me to prepare for purgatory. And um, so I guess it just stuck with me, like, what's purgatory? And uh, I would think about it a lot, you know, because it's that little place in between, you know, wherever you're supposed to go. Um, You have to have a little sidetrack and go there. And I guess it gets you ready um, (laughs) for heaven. (laughs) I don't know. But so once I graduated college and went into the corporate, you know, like I, I worked for a fortune 500 company in big corporate. I realized this is purgatory. I, I've made it. Um, and it's corporate America. So yeah. I wrote a book about a girl dying and having to work off her negative, you know, life and they put her to work. So she is basically working off her bad karma by inflicting karma on other people and it, and it's set up in a case by case basis and while i was raised catholic i moved away from that out of high school and mm-hmm. i love to explore I, I wouldn't say i'm religious but i'm curious so yeah. i like to explore like eastern religions and different and karma always stuck with me and yeah. um and the fact that 
I think it still plays to the fact that we're all redeemable in some point. So the point of her in the book is that she has to find these people and she has to make them see the error of their ways while inflict, you know, yeah, it's a, you know, while inflicting this stuff on them, like this bad stuff on them to make them realize that I have to change and become a better person. So it, it was a challenge to write. And there's a bunch of themes in there. I bring in mythology and, you know, I yeah. kind of smack it all together yeah. and uh, become an herb. Yeah, it, it, it was a fun one to write. It was fun. Um, and uh, and it made me learn some things along the way with research. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I always like to do that. Well, mm-hmm. I know and one thing that kind of interests me is, you know, the the South very frequently gets painted with a very broad brush of that. You know, I think if you if you pulled, you know, 10 people off the street and maybe Chicago or Philadelphia or something like that. They just assume that mm-hmm. everyone down here is a Southern Baptist, you know? Right. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, now, now where I'm from, we had, we had uh, two Catholic kids in our entire school. That was it. And uh-huh. um, the fact that I know that they were two Catholic kids in the school kind of, I think is very indicative of how that area viewed Catholics um, as uh-huh. very outsiders. Um And so while my area and to build off that, I was raised Mormon. So (laughs) I was the Mormon kid in a school with virtually no Mormons. Um, And so, uh, but it is, it's neat to hear, you know, like you, you know, Louisiana is very Catholic by comparison to Mm -hmm. the rest of the South, but that just goes to show how we're, we're not a monolith, you know? So no, no. And, and in my Catholics, we, we go to Catholic school because the public schools when I was growing up were horrendous. Um, so you had to, and we didn't really had a broad, now we do after Katrina, there was a lot of reform, but before that you, there was like one private school and 10 Catholic schools because the Catholic, you know, there's a lot of Catholics in New Orleans. When, once you leave and go outside the city, then you get into either the Baptist and everything, but in the city, you know, just, it has a strong, huge Catholic base. And, uh, there's mm-hmm. a church, there's a Catholic church, um, in every little corner. Um, <laughs> so, so that was just how things were done. And it was even, um, it still is done. And, and it's just, it's a nuance of just New Orleans and you're defined by which Catholic high school you went to, because it was an, you go to, you go to an all girls Catholic high school, you go to an all boys Catholic high school, you go to a co-ed Catholic high school if you couldn't make it into the other Catholic high schools, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So it, it's a, so if you tell them, like, if you meet someone from New Orleans for the first time and they go, what school you went to, you're saying your high school. Yeah. Um, huh. You know, kind of thing, you know, yeah, instead of saying college. Um, Just because it kind of, it defines you by your socioeconomic class. It defines you of your kind of smartness, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of, it it just, it it instantly labels you and places you, you know, like humans like to do places you within your, where you are, you know, are you uptown? Are you, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. but there was, there was different. There was a lot there. It was majority Catholic in my high school, but we also had, we, we had a Zoroastrian uh, girl, uh, like that was her religion. And then we, yeah, we had a Muslim, you know, like it was, we had a few Baptists, few Protestant. It was a whole variety, but I mean, of course we're 90, it was probably 90% Catholic, but it was, it was a good little, you know, 
and uh you know we it is what it is yeah <laughs> you yeah know, no, no, situation. It's just, yeah, it's yeah i wish i would have went that. to a more diverse yeah i wish i would have went to a more diverse um high school experience like my child gets to do um yeah you know i wish that option was available but it wasn't and well, you I, you make you make do yeah no i can definitely uh kind of speak to uh-huh. that because um I, from kindergarten to sixth grade, and then for ninth grade, I went to a school that I later learned was a segregation school, you know, um, when they they desegregated all the schools in the South, uh, all these private schools popped up. And so uh, Mm -hmm. I I was homeschooled seventh and eighth grade, but so functionally from kindergarten to ninth grade, I went to this segregation school and uh, it I mean, it, nothing said whites only, but no. there there was no one in the school that wasn't white. Um, mm-hmm. And so then uh, I was lucky. I got lucky enough to go to public school for uh, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. And I really mm-hmm. view that as like that. Uh, I, I kind of despair of how I would have turned out as an adult. Like I like to think that I would have got off to college and kind of um, grown into a more well-rounded individual, but I don't know mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, cause it was such yeah. an insular kind of, uh, community that way. And so it was only till, you know, going to, uh, public school that I got to be around people of color for the first time on a regular basis, mm-hmm. really, you know? Oh, okay. But yeah. It was, it's, it's, uh, the South is still so bizarrely segregated, even in places that aren't specifically segregated, just like right. um like churches uh mm-hmm. across like uh here in Alabama churches are largely segregated along racial lines um you have some uh-huh. that there is uh some crossover but most of the churches where i grew up were either you know they were ame churches for the african american community or they uh-huh. were they were white churches you know oh my that, that yeah. might at mm-hmm. most have one or two uh black members in their congregation and that's mm-hmm. that's just and how it largely is still to this day um right, right. so uh right but yeah all right so um no no it, it makes sense but i yeah. mean our we're in new orleans we're a little more it's it, it does divide I mean, it's still the same kind of um, segregation as far as, you know, um, our city is very, it's a melting pot. You can find everybody there, but they do tend to, you know, neighborhoods and, yeah, you know, well, it, it has changed. I mean, honestly, and for the better and everybody is kind of, you know, it's coming more cohesive, but then yeah. there's still pockets of, you know. So. Oh, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. We'll um, get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a work in progress. So, Mm -hmm. all right. So what was an element of Southern culture that you really felt was important to kind of showcase in your works? I, let's see. I just wanted to get, I wanted people to get the feeling of it. Mm -hmm. The feeling of just Southern life and particularly South Louisiana life. Um, Just because I feel so living in other places, I was not able to just like, like if I was the person to walk down the street and say, Hey, to someone, they look at me funny, you know, like in the grocery store. Whereas down here, the person next to me in the grocery line, I'm going to know their entire life history by the, if we get stuck (laughs) 
And I wanted to kind of convey that in, um, you know, just how and how we there's characters in here that are not like like you'll run into someone who you would describe as a character and not because they've made themselves into this, just because they're okay just to be whoever they want and, and just be good with it. And like, you have to accept them kind of like that. And they, you know, they can dress how they want and do what they want and kind of thing. And I, I wanted to convey that kind of life, which I don't think people really kind of understand about, my little area how yeah. how we do that you know like i lived in austin for a little time and they always and look i liked austin it was clean it was nice and they had the they had the you know statement keep austin weird and stuff like that but yeah. all these and you'd run into these weird little characters but i remember telling uh the girl that um was with me i was like I, it feels like they're contrived characters like they made themselves into mm. this character whereas the guy on the corner that sells watermelons who's doing a dance to attract people to come and buy his watermelons. He's just being him, yeah. you know, in <laughs> you know, and you can go and have a total conversation with him, and you just know, this is just him. He's selling his watermelons and doing his dance. And yeah. you know, that's just, and it's not like I'm going to do this dance so I can sell watermelons. No, he's out there just doing his dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, no. kind of thing. Uh- Austin has to keep itself weird. New Orleans right. can't can't it's do just anything weird. but stay weird. <laughs> we we can't help it, you know. Yeah. You, you, and I, and I wanted to try to like buy weird little stories, putting them in, you know, as like just a side note in the stories to kind of convey. Well, this is what's gonna even during say a zombie apocalypse or my. I have another series that I started. Um, and just a little side note of this is what you'll be at a at a food truck and somebody will just walk up to you and tell you their you know entire life story and then walk away and don't expect anything you know so I tried to kind of incorporate those and then the smell and the feel um of things and the sound I tried to kind of incorporate all those and what it's like what it's like to walk out into the humidity of summer in New Orleans miserable what it you know yeah (laughs) misery but you know so like one of my characters is from Colorado and gets stuck down here um and she hates it (laughs) so she describes it as a um just usually negative and she's yeah. like, why do people you know choose to live down here so i also you know so i got to put it in that perspective and um, yeah you know those are the type of things just the way that people treat you and and you know the random advice that people give you and so i had you know you have your old cajun or whatever in one of my books and he's always just dishing out the advice because he thinks <laughs> he knows everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know those those and but only in the way that the old cajun guy can deliver it which is usually with a crawfish metaphor <laughs> you know, so. yeah i i was once walking um i don't know what street it was i was heading towards canal and uh uh-huh. uh this old old black man walked up to me and just from out of nowhere he's like i know you're racist uh but that's okay oh. you were you were a white guy born in the south and i understand and he he proceeded for like a good three or four minutes to explain to me how racist I was. And oh I'm just sitting here like in shock, like what is going on here? What did like, I'm thinking, did I do something like that? Do something mm-hmm. that I didn't know was racist. And uh, he ended it at the end. It was like, well, so uh, all that said, 
could you give me five dollars for a chicken dinner? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that is the most inventive way to try and get some yeah. to do to do some panhandling. Uh, there you go. I yeah. know. And to me, that like, that was that was very New Orleans of him. I felt <laughs> that is that. I mean, I, there's you know, you walk down Bourbon Street and you get them all. I mean, we had when I was in college, we used to go down there a lot because we were friends with one of the bouncers, and they had the you know the people that uh, hold the the you're going to hell signs, you yeah. know the because yeah. they stand out in the middle. Well, mm-hmm. there was one guy. His name was Frank. And he used to give us peppermints if we if we let him read the Bible to us. <laughs> but we always needed those peppermints because we were nauseous from drinking so much. So we used to run up to Frank and be like, Frank, can we have a peppermint? And he's like, let me read a passage of the Bible. And he was this old man and he had that raspy voice and he would read, yeah. he would read the Bible to us so we could get a peppermint. So we, <laughs> so we wouldn't throw up on Bourbon Street. There you, go. you know, it was just, it's, you know, stories like that. Like, yeah it's yeah. fun it's yeah my, my last time it's, there it's New Orleans. The, yeah my last time there the <laughs> the the new thing i had never seen before that was just i i couldn't get enough of was a guy had trained his cats to like sit perfectly still and, and or like lay perfectly still it was like him and like three or four cats and like a dog like right in the middle of bourbon <laughs> street on a blanket like posing <laughs> for pictures and stuff it was it was so good. It was so great. I, I loved it so much. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. <laughs> oh yeah. I hope next time I'm down there that he's there again because it was it was too perfect. Um oh, that's but yeah, great. you're uh-huh. always gonna see something just uh phenomenal. <laughs> when, when I know. We there. have a we have a llama now that someone walks uptown. Yeah. It's yeah, like I don't know if it's a llama or an alpaca. I don't know what it but you know, she yeah. walks it all up and down St. Charles Avenue. It just, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> why wouldn't you? You know, you go to, there's this little park um, in near um, the the warehouse district. And I was out there on business, step out of my car and someone's got like a pot, like this pig had to be, it was the size of a sofa. And they yeah. were walking this pig <laughs> in the park with the dogs. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I know, I know just this country is kind of getting weird, but yeah. I don't know if you'd see that anywhere else. Well, well <laughs> besides I, right. like Texas in the country. Well, like, it's funny. It's funny you say that. So yesterday I uh, was uh, Magic City Con in Birmingham and I went up there uh-huh. and, and did a panel uh, that I do. And on my way back, so only one person came to the panel. It was not a, oh. not, not a well-attended <laughs> panel. I drove an hour and a half to give a panel uh, for one guy and then drove back and it took two hours because of traffic. It was, but oh I stopped at Whataburger on my way back and there uh-huh. were two pigs in the parking lot. Just no one owned them. They weren't like yeah. pets or anything. There was just uh-huh. two pigs like walking through the parking lot. And I was Hanging like, around. Yeah, and I like I went in to Waterburgers like, and I heard it like the person in front of me was like, "Whose pigs are those?" And the, all the staff were like, "We have no idea. We don't know where they came from." Um, so I, I, there were twice as many pigs in the Waterburger parking lot as there were in my pan <laughs> in my panel. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, but I, I was just marveling. Oh, I was fun. like, 
I was like, well, this uh-huh. is Alabama. There's pigs in the parking lot of the Whataburger. There, there are. Why isn't there? <laughs> why isn't there? Why no. isn't there? Yeah. I know. So. I guess, I'd, well, I guess I'd expect that, you know, in Alabama, but not in the middle yeah. of the city. So. Right. Yeah. No, it was, <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, I didn't expect this. So. <laughs> right. So I guess you don't, you don't. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was, it was a, it was a strange experience to say the least. Um, all right. So, uh, I know you, you, you've worked in the, uh, the Sultan's palace, like the, the haunting uh-huh. there. Is there any, anything else from like Southern folklore that you've, uh, like the supernatural or anything that you've worked into your books? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Cause um, zombies aren't like my, re- really like specifically they're not. Southern. They're um, not. They're very and- cool. Uh. (laughs) the new series um the new series that i'm currently writing i only have one book out in this series but basically and i'm kind of stalled out on it because i started writing this before covid and it's Mm. about a pandemic (laughs) hitting the new orleans area and um so it's it's kind of that's the worst thing that's been of um writing a apocalypse in an actual apocalypse yeah, you know? is that the, <laughs> because it's the, not except is that the, the father, gift of the gift sky of, and soil um, sky and soil yeah it's yeah. called the father sky series and basically what is going on is mother nature is trying to kill us and um she's t- she's done with humans and um mm. she puts she pushes out a pollen that is killing off a lot of the humans but she can't she's restricted um as far as because there's rules for everybody and so Uh she's restricted in how she can do it um and so some of the pollen is going wrong and it's changing humans and um so there's a big mythology theme in that and i'm incorporating some voodoo elements into that but it's not in this book yet but it's to come um but so there's and there's a lot of that hoodoo voodoo elements that in there and i'm trying to um you know uh do right by it like i'm not yeah. making it you know marie laveau and you know you know just you know hokey kind of thing yeah. that i'm trying to do with it because i'm really i'm always i've always been interested in mythology and i think when people you know when people trip i mean just like any other mythology but when they write about stuff like that it's usually marie laveau and it's usually you know someone putting a spell and um but i wanted to get into the real um goddess aspect of it because they yeah. do have a they do have a, a heavy goddess they do have uh, the male gods but they do have some great goddesses that are scary and kind of sexy and it's just a it's a it's a good it's a good theme that they also pulled from like you can find like some catholic in there and yeah. you know you can find some deep uh african um storylines behind it but so i'm trying to pull those elements into it and um bring it It, all together yeah and it can be tricky you know Uh doing that i I understand your concern Uh there because it's definitely tricky uh you don't you want to do it justice and not steer into the cliches you know right so Mm -hmm. i I definitely get how that can it's a fine line to dance um but yeah i was reading the blurb on it it sounds very intriguing Uh so I, i hope you're I hope you're able to, uh, it, and that, that's something I had not considered. Like all these people who were writing, you know, kind of pandemic fiction, and mm-hmm. then suddenly we're in a pandemic. Like, oof, 
you know, I, it, I like it, to, I like to write to escape. <laughs> it did. And I felt, you know, and I guess everybody learned from this and especially say apocalypse writers like myself and people obsessed with, because I've, you know, since Katrina, I've considered myself a prepper, you know, the yeah. apocalypse preppers, as far as I prepare myself for something happened because I have had something happen yeah. um, where my entire world has been destroyed. And um, because I was, uh, we had 13 feet of water in our house yeah. for Katrina. Oof. And um, so it was homeless for a little bit and all kinds of, you know, fun stuff. And me and my, and I remember, you know, I had just gotten married and I had put our, our important things in the attic and the water went into the attic. So, you know, just uh, stuff like that. You don't even expect, like you think you're sort of prepared. So I kind of became obsessed with prepping and um, different things like that. And so, but you expect it to all happen like boom, like yeah. <laughs> the world ends or the world just changes or zombies just rise up and it just, you know, and now you're running. Yeah. And to experience this slow, you know, dive into just, we had a great yeah. world or we thought we had a great world. And now, you know, I can't find peanut butter. And that's my, right. you know, that's my today's tragedy. And then tomorrow yeah. I'm going to try to find my, feed my child and I can't find, you know, formula. And then tomorrow it's going to be diapers, you know, kind of thing. So, it, yeah. it's, you know, you don't, you don't expect it to be this slow dive. And uh, so as I was going into the editing of this book, that's when COVID hit. So I refined some things to kind of reflect that. And then yeah. once I published, when I was going into writing the second one, I was like, this is, I can't watch the news and then write this book and yeah. make it feel, you know, so it, it, yeah. it slowed me down. So I switched to another book, you know, and started writing it, but it, it's, I, I, you know, I am back writing this one and I hope it um, comes over well because I am excited about the characters yeah. that I wrote into this. And I like a good superhero story. So they're going to, you know, and I like a good goddess story. So it's going to yeah. be like super superheroes meet, you know, it's like X-Men meets, I don't what's in this, I don't know, yeah. of a, no, a no. story that incorporates gods and goddess. Oh, Percy Jackson, you know, yeah. kind of thing. But I, I like with it. a lot. Yeah. But heavy with the romance, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, and, and um I think it'll be real interesting to see how, because that's mm. something I hadn't really considered, but like, you know, you see all the like movies that involve pandemics, you know, it's all like uh -huh. it breaks out here and, you know, the world is basically over a week later. Um, right. And now that we've actually lived through a pandemic and it, you know, granted the pandemic we lived through wasn't as lethal as, you know, the movie outbreak, but I mean, still right. it killed millions upon millions of people. Right. And right. Um, you're right, though. It was it, it moved a lot slower, you know, than than mm -hmm. you would have thought. Uh, right. And so it'll be or interesting to see how how pandemic kind of literature changes moving forwards. Right. And I mean, I think that's a good thing, because if it slapped us in the face real quick, oh, we yeah. wouldn't have been able to pull it out of it, you know, as, oh, no. like we have you know but um yeah you, you just expect it i mean like anything we, we've been prepping for the apocalypse since y2k you know yeah. where we thought <laughs> you know everything was just gonna blow up yeah. and uh you know but i don't think you know i, I didn't think people yeah. expected you know just this slow dive which seems right. to still be happening you know 
Yeah. Every well, day, I'll, every day it's something new. I'll tell mm-hmm. you a story that may warm your heart a little bit. Um, oh, okay. My parents adopted uh, a cat from a cat refugee from Katrina. Uh-huh. Um, uh, a lot of, you know, so many of the, the animals there ended up getting uh, shipped out to, you know, uh, humane societies in neighboring states. And mm-hmm. uh, my parents adopted one. And that cat is still alive. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is very old um, and very, uh-huh. very croakingly vocal. <laughs> but um, uh, that cat is still alive and, and doing well, living in living the high life in Orange Beach, oh. Alabama now. So, <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. I know that was a huge deal Yeah. Um, after the storm because they weren't allowing people to... Um, to bring their pets in the rescue boats. Yeah. So I know I have a, I have a cousin who sat in the tree in, in 10 feet of water with his cat, him and his cat in the tree. And he was only in his underwear. Um, and they wouldn't take him. They wouldn't take him in the boat. Um, so he stayed in the tree until his neighbor in a boat came and got him and got him and the cat, but he wouldn't Uh, leave the tree in his underwear. Yeah, because of that cat. <laughs> yeah, know. that's love. So that's love. But they've changed it. They've changed it now. So they will like the Cajun Navy, who's the big rescue yeah. group that comes down a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, I know yeah. they were they they were specific. Like if they had a dog or something, they were calling in boats. Specific, yeah. you know, like so they they you know things have changed a little bit. They also yeah. during Katrina weren't letting private citizens come in and help. Um. They were blocking it. So you couldn't yeah. come in and and help, which I didn't understand, but right. you know, I get it. So. Yeah. But well, it's good. Good. That some, you know, terrible that yeah. that had to happen for change to happen, but at least some right. good has come out of it. Um, right. 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 So the first half I gear more towards the uh-huh. readers, the back half, I like to gear more towards the writers who are listening. So, okay. Um, so starting off, let's let's talk about your process. Are you more of a plotter right. or are you more of a pantser? I guess I'm one of those that'll say both because I yeah. plot. I'm a I'm a world builder. Um, so I plot out the world and the the dynamics of the world, and that's like usually my focus. But then when I get to writing, my characters do whatever they want. So then I'm like, okay, we veered off again. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, because if I, I will find that if I get to, and I'm trying to force say the characters to behave a certain way, I'll, I'll freeze up and I won't be able to write it because it just doesn't feel right. But I've written it in my plot. I'm like, okay, they go here, they go there, they do this. But then when, when I get it, I have um, a good example of that is the, um, the fourth book in my zombie series um, had uh, I had set for she was going to hook up with this person. And I had that all plotted out and wait, no, it was the fifth book. Um, and in the fourth book, I killed off that person. And uh-huh. I know I'd given, I had given because it just, that's what happened in the writing. And I gave it to my editor and she gave me a call and she was like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? And I was like, I figured it out. I've got it all. I've got it all handled. And yeah. it um, made me write a novella that I kind of scooched in between the fourth and the fifth book. Uh-huh. And um, 
it's just, yeah. But I had that all, I had the entire series plotted out. I had who was going who and where yeah. they were going. And then that one scene, I was like <laughs> this, that, and well, it was, and the character, she, she yeah. wasn't playing right with me. So I killed her off. Yeah. Well, um, sometimes you got yeah. to, you know, and that, yeah. that was a good piece of advice I heard one time uh-huh. uh, from a, uh, I think it was Michael Stackpole who said it. I was uh-huh. at Dragon Con and he was talking about it. He said that if he ever, he's, he very, 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 very rarely gets writer's block. And he says, mm-hmm. if he ever gets writer's block, normally he can flip back and within the previous three pages, one of his characters did something out of character. Mm-hmm. And if he goes back yeah. and fixes that, it's his subconscious telling him, no, 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 you messed up. Go back, fix this. And he says nine times out of 10, mm-hmm. if he does that, the words start flowing again. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, yeah, it's, neat, it's kind usually, of, it's usually what it is. Yeah. Or you're writing something that's not authentic. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's one of those, even if you're not aware of it, you I think your subconscious is. Oh Yeah. I know sometimes I feel like, oh, this just isn't good. Well, that's always, I always have the element of, oh God, why am I writing this? Right. This is this is garbage. What am I doing? Oh, <laughs> but there's sometimes okay. when it, it definitely, it definitely hits a little harder and it's like, and if I sit there and think about it, like, you know what? I, I think I, I'm not being true to the character, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause you, yeah. yeah. That, that, I'm the same way. And I'm, I'm not a formula, you know, like I don't write books for formulas and no, you know, nothing against people that do, but I just kind of just, I try to do things differently and I try yeah. to shake things up and, you know, I want my characters to come across a certain way. And I, you know, how people say, oh, you got to insert this type of conflict that this, you know, at the third mark and, you know, and different things. And I don't do that. So yeah, same. Um, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Uh, the the way I've always viewed it is, you know, like my background is in anthropology. It's like basically every, mm-hmm. you know, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey, like every story ever told follows the same kind of paths and patterns. Cause just as humans, right. we're wired to tell stories in a certain way. And mm-hmm. some people, you know, they, they have every plot point, every beat plotted out and mm-hmm. to the nth degree. And that's not me. Um, I don't, and no. I don't think in those terms. You know, I, I just write the story and trust that I'm a human telling a story. It's going to follow roughly the pattern that it should take just naturally, you know? Right. Right. That's kind of how I am. That's yeah. Kinda... <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, mm-hmm. All right. So let's say someone's listening to this podcast. Now they're, they're, they're halfway through their first book. Maybe they're about to start writing their first book. Uh, they're mm-hmm. kind of struggling with it. What is some, what is some advice that you would give someone like that? What was the best little snippet of advice you could give to someone trying to get into writing? My best is write, is sit there and write because no matter if it's terrible, just write it out and get into the habit because writing is a habit and sitting there and just like exercise or anything like that and sitting down, taking the time and the headspace to sit there and write the words on the piece of paper or on the computer or anything like that, just getting it out in the process of actually telling the story using words, putting together sentences is it, it, it changes and it, then you'll slowly go and get through it. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're writing uh, the end. 
So, yeah. um, because I've had so many people come up to me and be like, I have this great story. And I'm like, a lot of us do, you know, a lot of <laughs> us have a story, but it really is, is one of the hardest things is sitting down there and then people get, you know, wrapped up in their, you know, word count, their daily word count and things like that. And I get it because you focus on it. It's, it's almost like exercise. It's almost like I have to get so many steps in a day. Yeah. You have to get so many words in a day if you want to complete a book to, to have a goal. If you have a goal of completing a book, you literally have to sit there every single day and write. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I'll say like getting, I used to be one of those people that was real, I'd get real caught up on word count, like daily word count. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up having to stop. What I found with me yeah. was uh, if I was like, all right, I, you know, I used to be a thousand words a day. Uh, when I was mm-hmm. less busy and uh, so now it's 500 words a day. And what I found was mm-hmm. I was writing to the word count. And so all my yeah. writing was coming in and kind of sort of 500 or thousand word chunks. And I was, I would end up kind of drawing things out or shortening things up to like, Oh, I'm coming up on the end of a chapter uh, uh-huh. I don't want to start the new chapter today. I'd rather start that tomorrow. So let me, you know, cut some words or add some words so I can hit my word count for the day. And it, it led to kind of uh, like a, not a great flow. And so now uh-huh. it's like I 500 words is the goal. If I don't uh-huh. hit it, that's fine. Um, but the mm-hmm. goal is, you know, it, it, you write until you're done writing. You know, right. if that's right. 500 words, great. 200 words, great. 2000 words, great. You know, just mm-hmm. write what feels good. But, right. but most importantly, write. <laughs> right. No, yeah. it's true. You know, as long as you get, even if it's just you have a notebook with you and you write, because I'll like it lines, like a great dialogue piece. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that was great. So just write it down in a notebook. So I keep a notebook in my purse or, you know, something like that. And I'll just jot it down. Um, You know, I've heard like some authors say, oh, I keep it in the shower. You know, like I keep it like right outside the shower because I get my best ideas in the shower. You know, I've heard that. I do (laughs) not get good ideas in the shower. Thank God, because I... I'd freak out with a wet notebook, but yeah, <laughs> um, your, your paper you know, get wet. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. So, um, but it's just, it's the process, how, you know, whatever process works for you to find it and you can't find it unless you write. Yeah, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So one of my great, my, my other great passion is music. Uh, I have a background in music mm-hmm. industry. And so uh, I always like to ask when you write, um, what what's what's going on is there music playing do you have white noise do you have to write in silence i um i try to listen to music um Mm -hmm. that's that's the best way i can concentrate um so i'll put my airpods in and sit there and um listen to i'm usually i'm a i find that they can't have lyrics a lot Um, because then I, I'm a person that when I'm listening to a great song, it's almost like a, uh, a story itself. So I'll find myself zoning out to the lyrics and listening Mm. to the lyrics or singing the lyrics (laughs) and then I'm not writing. So I have to listen to something with either. So EDM is usually my choice just with the, the, the droning, the droning beat. 
and very little lyrics. It's usually a repetitive lyric that goes over and over again or something right. like that. Or, you know, they have some chill, um, some chill playlists that I'll listen to if, but um, when I'm writing, say intense scenes, violent scenes, stuff like that, I'll put on my EDM bangers um, playlist, you know, yeah. just something to kind of get that heart rate going and yeah. um, things Something like that. Energy. And it's, yeah, I had to find that. And, you know, um, you know, I grew up at, at my nineties kids, so it was all alternative. And so I was listening to a lot of alternative rock and stuff like that when I first started this. And I just realized, no, I, I can't do that, even though <laughs> I love this music. So it kind of, it's morphed into something I found. And now, I mean, I love EDM music, you know, but um, I found that I kind of liked it more once I used it for writing. So, yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, an author hero of mine is a man named John Hartness. And uh, he mm -hmm. talks about how no matter how quickly he writes, he cannot write as fast as people read. So, oh, yeah. So authors should always be sharing the love, promoting each other. Um, mm -hmm. There's plenty of love to go around. So two part question. Who is your mm -hmm. author hero? And then who is an author you think that we should be checking out that maybe we aren't? Oh, gotcha. Um, that's hard to say because, you, you know, like any hero, as soon as you get into this world and say you meet them, yeah, they, oh. like, like I, you know, I, I don't, I don't even, I hate bringing this up, but like, I was a super fan of Anne Rice being from New Orleans being, yeah. and then, and then I got to meet her in real life and I was like, ow, oh, you know, because it wasn't, a, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a positive meeting. Yeah. Um, so, and I have, I have, you know, one of my good friends, you know, was her uh, assistant, her personal assistant and stuff yeah. and, you know, saw the positive things, but I think I just came upon her in a bad setting, yeah. you know, and just, and got that. And so it kind of, you know, I was like, oh, this, it just, it kind of made me, but yeah. she still, she was one of the ones that, you know, I loved her writing. I loved, I loved what she did, how she incorporated New Orleans, even being from California. And uh, I loved everything she did, you know, but I hate saying like, that's a, you know, a <laughs> hero of mine because, but um, yeah, but yeah, I grew up reading her and Stephen King were just amazing. Yeah. And then Stephen King always gives some great writing advice. He does. Um, yeah. The only book I've ever been able to read about the craft of writing was uh -huh. his uh, on writing. Was his. And, yeah. yeah and, and that's just because uh, I I grew up reading him and his mm -hmm. his book on the craft of writing is very autobiographical. And so it, it kept uh -huh. my interest learning about because, you know, it's sure he's got tips in there and like on writing, but it's also the arc of his career and how he came to be who he is. And that to me was just fascinating. So fascinating. Huh? That's um, right. Yeah. So who's someone that we should be checking out? Oh my God. I can give y'all so many names. <laughs> yeah, you, yes, you don't, you don't, you don't yeah. have to limit it to just one. You can throw, you can throw out several. I know. If you well, I don't know. So I am, I'm also hosting an author event and the end of July in New Orleans, the New Orleans oh. area. So I've come to like, I've been getting all these great new books and from like local authors that I hadn't yeah. experienced before. So they're sending me like, um, so I got to know a gentleman, his name is Ren French, and he writes uh, 
almost like a comedy about being a concierge. So I got to read snippets of his book and everything. And I'm like, now I'm dying to read his book. Yeah. He's hilarious on TikTok. And it's yeah. just a fun New Orleans story. And it's out of my genre. Like it's it's nonfiction. And uh-huh. so, which I hardly ever read. So yeah. it's like a great one that I think people should check out. And then I have a, a fun new um, contemporary that I just read. Um, from another local author, her name's Sky Turner, and um, she's great, and she's got these fun drunk love series. Um, you know, just yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm finding all these new authors that need some love. We're all indies, and you know, um, but uh, what was the other one? Oh, April Berry, and mm-hmm. oh, two Aprils. There's an April Berry, and she writes um, fun romances as well. And then um, another local author who just today her. Uh, she has a, a woman's fiction that came out. It's called Autumn's Heart. And her name is April Duplessis. And her book literally published today. It came out a little early because you know how Amazon can be. Yeah. And um, so I got to read her story. And it's just, it's a beautiful story about finding yourself and as a female and getting out of an abusive relationship and just something I would normally not pick up, but I enjoyed it. And she's a beautiful person as well. Like yeah. very nice and sweet. And so if y'all want to check, you know, just a bunch of different genres yeah. that I'm finding, you know, instead of my usual, um, which seems to be romance a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I love that. Well, like doing this podcast, I have, uh, found my way into a lot of books that mm-hmm. I would not normally have stumbled my way into. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of a thing like this and like just getting a bunch of authors together uh, is always just a great time. I feel like it is. It is. And I love to say, I mean, I grew up, you know, I went from Stephen King to science fiction. So I grew up on like hardcore science fiction. I was a total nerd mm-hmm. um, in middle school reading, you know, Arthur C. Clarke and I yeah. fell in love with Heinlein and stuff like that. And, you know, and so I grew up and everybody would look at why are you reading these old men, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah. they're cool, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and morphing from that. And I was like, uh, you know, I went to the, you know, into high school be like, I would never, you know, everybody's reading Nora Roberts and stuff like that. And I was like, I would never read that stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and, and then getting into it and finally getting into it and reading romance and stuff. I was like, well, there's a reason as I'm sitting here crying, you know, yeah. over the book and um, <laughs> things like that, you know, cause you know, you go from science fiction, then you get stuck into fantasy and then, yeah. and then you know, like I want the dragons and, you know, reading the Dragonlands books. And so it's good uh, yep. to, you know, you, you, you change and you become, you know, fun, yeah. you know, find new fun books and, and stuff that you'd never expect. Yeah. No, I, mm-hmm. uh, I was that way with Nora Roberts. So I, I, uh-huh. you know, never read romance growing up, I had zero interest in it. And then, uh, started dating my fiance and she, you know, she got finally got a feel for the things I'm into. She's like, look, I know, I know you, you don't really read romance, but I think you really need to read this Nora Roberts trilogy. And it's the, Oh crap. I can't remember, but uh, what the name of it is now. And I feel terrible for that, but it's like the <laughs> seventh son or, or I don't know, but it's basically like, uh-huh. it's like h- horror romance kind of deal like it, it's real uh-huh. dark it's got uh it's like every seven years like this town just kind of goes crazy for a day uh kind of deal it, it's fantastic it was it was so good and i was like huh uh-huh. you know maybe i've been maybe i've been uh-huh. sleeping on this for a while and it uh-huh. definitely, it definitely opened me up that. 
think, yeah, I, I, no, I, think it, I read it, one series by, uh, I think it was like a witch series from Nora Roberts. I mean, I liked it, you know, yeah. and then I read her J.D. Robb, her yeah. books by J.D. Robb. Yeah. Which are good. I like those. Yeah. Um, my, my, uh, there, there's not, but like 80 of them <laughs> out at this yeah, point. There's you a know? ton. Yeah. There's a and, ton. Uh, oh. But my, uh, you know, my fiance, she, uh, she has like 40 of them or something, you know, she's, oh. she's all about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying, I, I'm trying uh, to see if I can find that Nora Roberts book. Right. Oh yeah. This, the, the sign of the seven is the name of the okay, series. Gotcha. The Pagan Stone, the hollow and blood brothers. Um, I'll have but yeah, it, they are out. like horror is like to me, it's like almost like it, but romance kind of weirdly. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's good. I, I, I would never have thought I'd be, uh, you know, trying to sell people on Nora Roberts, but here I am. And that's the beauty. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of uh, getting outside your comfort zone. Yeah, no, she's got she's got an apocalypse series that I read yeah. and enjoyed. And I was yeah. like, wait. Nora Roberts is doing a apocalypse romance. And so I, I read that and it was good. It was good, yeah. you know, and um, yeah. yeah, getting out of your comfort zone. You know, I found some great, I found some great authors like that. So, but I like to read, like, I like to like, you know how some people get stuck on authors and then they just read and read and read and read. Um, but I like to try all different kinds. So I'll pick yeah. up, but I also find it's almost it's almost like I have ADHD when it comes to that because I'll just read the first book of the series and then put that away and then move on to the next one. And then they'll yeah. be like, you didn't finish that series. And I'm like, no, I got distracted by this one yeah. over here, which had the oh, pretty cover. I feel that. Yeah. Oh, I feel that so much. <laughs> it's <laughs> or, a real struggle. I know. Or I'm literally, I'm reading an ebook, I'm reading a print book and I'm listening to an audio book. So then I'm totally confused because I'll listen yeah. to my audio book when I'm driving or doing dishes and then I'll take my print book when I'm sitting on the couch, but then I have my ebook when I'm about to go to bed. It's just, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm totally ADHD. <laughs> yeah. No, the, str- the struggle is, the struggle is real. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've heard people buy all formats of the same book, but I am not that rich. So no. I can't afford oh, God, that. No. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I, I aspire to be in that rich, yeah. you know, that's, that's the dream. <laughs> I, I want to, to, I have to, t- yeah, I have to check my lottery tickets, but <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh. Well, all right. Well, as we wrap things up, uh, why mm-hmm. don't you tell people where can they find you? You know, website, social media, that kind of stuff, and then where can they purchase your books? Gotcha. Well, you can find me. I have a website, so it's JillianZane.com, and it's Jillian with a G. So, um. All my books are on Amazon. I am a KU girl, Kindle Unlimited. Um, yep. You can get all my books if you subscribe to that. Um, I've tried to go wide before, but just can't, you know, Amazon owns my soul. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, so you can find them all on Amazon. Just search um, Jillian Zane there, you know, and you can get every single book I wrote pretty much on KU. Um, and let's see. And I like to do author events. So if you want a print book, you can order them from Amazon, but you can usually find me at a signing. Um, like I said, I'll do, I am actually hosting one in, on July 30th. It's called the Hot Nola Summer Author Event. So I'll be there with my books. And then I sell them a lot cheaper if you come and talk to me and are nice to me. So like, instead of buying them on Amazon for 10, 15 bucks, you know, if you're talking to me, it's like five bucks. So just because <laughs> as, a, as a thank you for 
coming to an event that is for authors, you know, kind of. Thing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's but you can order them. Um, I think I I have yeah I have a square set up on my website, so you can order um, signed books for me if you like. Perfect. If that's yeah. the better way. If you're not All from right. the south. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Jillian, this has been fantastic. Uh, so glad you came on. Uh, this has been uh-huh. great. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no. And uh, I've been telling folks, uh, the plan is hopefully in about a year, uh, Mm -hmm. we'll start bringing authors on again for like a short kind of follow-up episode. Uh, Maybe you'll have the the next Father Sky book out by then. That'll be neat to see. And, uh, and, you know, we'll just kind of, kind of touch base. We don't want to lose track. We want to see how people are growing and um, what, what new stuff they've come out with. Of course. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, Faithful listeners, till next time, uh, y'all be good now. Thank you for taking the time to check out another exciting episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. If you would, you know the drill. Give us a like, subscribe, follow, all that jazz. We'll appreciate you. Until next time, y'all. is part of the Tells by Bob network. To see all our great shows, go to tellsbybob.com.